We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Uh, We got Thursday, December 9th uh, edition of the podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest, covering the Oregon Ducks for Sports Illustrated on Fan Nation. And on this episode of the podcast, I got a guest with me. Uh, A lot of you may know him by now. He is Nick Batty. He's just across the way. How we doing, Nick? Thanks for being here, man. Doing well, doing well. Just, you know, looking at Twitter, checking flights, etc. <laughs> it's flight tracking season. I mean, it, it's funny because it was, I feel like it was kind of flight tracking season before the movie even became official, sort of, um, just because we didn't know what was happening, right? Um, but we got our answer as far as, uh, you know, Mario making the move to Miami. And then um, now the Ducks are, are uh, in the coaching search. They're, they're all into it now. Um, I think uh, a cool way to start off the uh, the pod is just talking about some of the recent news that that we got. Um, you just finished up writing the story that uh, offensive coordinator, former offensive coordinator, I should say, Joe Moorhead, uh, now the Akron Zips head coach, is going to be coaching for the Ducks in the Alamo Bowl, um, something that you don't often see happen, especially when someone takes a head coaching job. Um, what were your thoughts there on that development? Yeah, well, I think it's definitely good for the team that there can be some continuity, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball with with Mario gone. So I think it's definitely going to be helpful for the team to, you know, be able to focus on the game a little more, have, you know, some normalcy in the program in a very turbulent time. And it's not unprecedented. You know, we saw Marcus Arroyo after he took the UNLV job, he stayed on and was the offensive coordinator in the Rose Bowl. So this has happened before with the, with the Ducks. And, you know, it'll now be interesting to see what happens with Tim DeRuiter. Is he going to coach in the bowl game? And a couple of the assistants, Alex Mirabal, uh, Marcel Yates, you know, what, what are they going to do? So uh, we still have some uncertainty about around them. But at least with Moorhead, we know that he'll be there. there. He'll be calling the plays. And it'll give whoever's a quarterback uh, some, some comfort as they go in. Man, that 2019 Rose Bowl or 2020 Rose Bowl, I should say, that was really the, uh, you know, offensive firepower showcase of a game for the Ducks, huh? Well, I mean, they deployed running Herbie. And that <laughs> was all that was needed, right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, no, it was it was bizarre. I was so on edge watching that game. It was just like, 
Her- Herbert's the only one that's doing anything for Oregon. So it's going to be wild to, to really see how they, I mean, I felt like the offensive line just completely, um, completely terrified me because it was just the offensive line just feel like they didn't show up that game. But um, one thing I forgot to say off the top, uh, if you guys are here in the, uh, in the chat on the stream, go ahead and uh, leave us a comment or ask a question to uh, kind of help guide the show. That's what the show is for, for you guys, the viewers and the listeners want to see where you're at um, in this coaching search and search and uh, what you guys want to talk about. And then if you're watching on the replay, go ahead and leave a comment about uh, how you're feeling as a, as a duck fan right now, because the program is pretty much in limbo. Uh, like I said, in the thumbnail of this, uh, this video, as they look for a new coach, and then also make sure you're locked into the social platforms with both Nick and myself. You can follow him at the name on your screen there, Nick Bat 22 And you can follow me at MTaurus Sports on Twitter. And go ahead and subscribe to the channel, Oregon Football Max Taurus. If you're watching this live, youtube.com slash Oregon Football Max Taurus. Really appreciate it. But I think um, I think one uh, – okay, no, sorry. We'll stay on Moorhead. I had a, a tweet that I wanted to show later. But um, Stefan said – Morehead staying at OC for the bowl game terrifies me that they're going to play Anthony Brown. What do you think about that, Nick? Um, I don't really think it's going to be much of a difference of who's going to start a quarterback based off who's calling the plays. Uh, I feel like the more interesting part of this is the fact that Joe Morehead Moorhead's going to be the offensive coordinator without Mario Criswell as the head coach. There were some there was some speculation around uh, throughout the year that maybe Mario was uh, handcuffing Moorhead's ability to truly call the plays and, and be the offensive guy that he was at Penn State and, and such uh, throughout the year. And now we're going to kind of see a, a game of that, you know, Moorhead without any handcuffs, you know, being able to do whatever he wants to do with the offense. And we'll see how it looks, you know, was it something that you know maybe mario kind of you know made it so he wanted to establish his physical running game up the middle or is was that you know more of just a collaboration that you know it was going to be that way no matter what so from that standpoint i feel like this is going to be a really interesting thing to watch for in the bowl game and you know as for the quarterback position i think the vast majority of of uh Fans at this point want to see uh, one of the freshmen, likely Ty Thompson, to to play in this game, and I feel like there's still a decent chance that that's going to happen, uh, at least in some capacity. You kind of remember the Fiesta Bowl last year; they played some Anthony Brown uh, in there along with Tyler Shuck, and it kind of felt like they were trying to see what they had going into the following year uh, at quarterback, so they would have an idea going into into spring ball and fall camp. I feel like we could see something similar with Ty Thompson here. You know, maybe they play some of Anthony Brown uh, to give him that send off, uh, you know, being a senior and all that. But you also really need to know what you have uh, with at least one of your freshman quarterbacks. And I'm sure whoever the new head coaches uh, will also really like to see that. I'm right there with you. I think I'm exactly like, I don't think that, Morehead returning necessarily makes me think that he's going to go with Brown. I think that there's the the idea out there that, you know, McClendon wants to, to coach a good game because he wants to, you know, you want to control what you can control in such a hectic situation like this. And he wants to hopefully, you know, win this game and then 
um, you know, show the staff that there's reason to keep him on. And I think he's already done that. Like he's a phenomenal coach and, and he does a really good job recruiting the, the receivers just haven't been getting the ball to, to showcase their abilities. Um, and I'm kind of of the belief uh, that because he's back and Mario isn't here anymore, um, we, we might see somebody, you know, someone else come in, you know, take, pull out all the stops. That's, I think D- Dylan was writing that because you usually do the keys to the game, but he, he did the, t- the keys to the game for the second Utah game in the Pac-12 championship. And he was saying, he was saying, uh, unload the whole damn playbook. Um, so hopefully we'll see some of that, um, you know, this time in the, in the bowl game and, and see either a Ty Thompson or a Jay Butterfield or a Robbie Ashford. Cause they all, they all deserve shots at this point. And, there's nothing to gain from from putting Anthony Brown in that game. Just as far as looking at the future, he's not going to be with the program next year. And um, I think that it'd be good to see the Ducks run the ball a lot. But man, I, I just say unleash it. You know, get those skill players the ball in space, let them run down the field, and, and try to get it to them because because that'll definitely make things a lot more exciting. Um, before we get to the next question, I, I uh, talked about this earlier, so let me. This was kind of a fun thing to do. I was just checking in with the the Oregon fan base this morning, kind of just asking asking how people are feeling because the the coaching search continues. So here it is. I said, "How are you feeling this morning, Duck fans?" And let me see if I can just read some of the good responses. This this one's from uh, Matt Kenoshita. He said, "I'm impatient, but I absolutely do not want an impatient hire." So. I'm impatiently waiting patiently. So I thought I thought that was a pretty accurate um, kind of uh, tone vibe check, if you want to call it, um, because it's just such an important hire for Oregon that that you don't want you don't want to rush it. You can't just name somebody for the heck of it. Um, and th- I thought that was pretty accurate uh, as far as where things go. Uh, on edge waiting. We have worried we go all in on Justin, as in Justin Wilcox. Someone said not Lane Kiffin anxious but also excited uh someone said back is a little stiff but otherwise fine shout out to eric hovland if you're listening shout out to that that response uh and then, yeah a lot of people are afraid that it's wilcox um is what they're saying but um obviously that's why we got to follow everything you know you have the funny gif here from from this guy uh of a, a wrestler it looks like checking checking his watch looking to see what time it is so i feel like you know obviously you were saying Nick, that you've been obviously all over Duck Twitter. What's your kind of tone that you're getting from the fan base right now? Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely seeing maybe a lot of impatient people, and uh, that's not really something that I'm. I'm feeling right now personally, but I can understand why fans might feel that way. Um, and definitely a lot of people who feel like you know, with all this radio silence from Oregon side of things, you know, there's a lot of just chatter amongst the fans that I feel like become rumors and such. And, and a lot of people thinking that, well, you know, there have been reports out there that they've uh, talked to Kalani Sataki. They're planning on interviewing Wilcox or planning on interviewing Chip Kelly. And none of those guys, I don't think for the majority of the fans are really home run hires or anything that's really splashy. And I think that kind of uh, makes the fans worried and impatient uh, about what might be happening here. But I just say, you know, just relax a little bit because I, I always felt like going into this week that you wouldn't have any higher in place by maybe Friday, potentially even the weekend, because as as quickly as you want this to get done and you want the head coach out on the recruiting trail to try to uh, revive this recruiting class, you also need to look 
first and foremost, that you're making the right hire for the long term. You know, if you're taking an extra 24 hours to try to really vet and make sure you're getting the right guy, that needs to happen. Uh, you know, one one day of recruiting isn't going to uh, be more important than four, five, six, however many years that you're going to have this coach. So I just stay patient. You know, Rob Mullins has proven that he's uh, been able to find good people, uh, not just in football, but other sports as well. So I would just stay patient. You know, they're always going to try to do what they think is best for the Ducks and, you know, just see where it unfolds from there. I'm right there with you. Uh, I, th- I think that Mullins has a, a proven track record of bringing in good hires. You know, obviously the past two departures aren't the way that you want things to end. Um, but maybe now you have a chance to get in front of that. And I think that's why a lot of people are calling for a long-term hire. But I feel like the more I think about it is that um, you don't necessarily need, that shouldn't be something that you're prioritizing right now because I feel like they're, they were right knocking on the door of the, the playoff. I'd say that, you know, they were a playoff contender, um, but they just obviously couldn't get it done. And I think that the departure obviously had something to do with that, but I think that's a, another point we can talk about here, Nick, is is just the timing of this search and, and how important it really is for the Oregon football program. Um, I want to take this time to plug a, a recent story that we have on Ducks Digest. Our Dylan Rubin King wrote it, and he titled it A Walk to Autzen or To a Trail of Broken Dreams, The Importance of Oregon's Head Coaching Search. Um, and then he said it's a, a deep dive into why the timing of Mario Cristobal's departure could be critically damaging to the Oregon football program. So you read something like that, and then you understand why this is so important for Oregon. I think you look at all the elite talent that he brought to Oregon. You want to bring in somebody that's going to be able to to utilize that talent and to to get the most potential out of it. So I think, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you know, there's there's a lot of talent we've seen clearly on the defensive side of the ball, but. I think that the defense was the stronger side of the ball potentially this this year, just in terms of, I don't know, the, it's hard I say that, but then I don't know, maybe I'm backtracking a little bit because there were all those injuries. Um, but I, I maybe I put it this way. I feel like the defense, the defensive talent was better utilized than the offensive talent. Maybe that's a good way to, to say what I'm kind of getting at here because we, you know, we saw Dante Thornton and, and Troy Franklin getting a lot of time towards the the end of the year. Um, with the injuries to Johnny Johnson and Jalen Red and the departure of Micah Pittman, but they hardly got the ball. And I was watching Troy's highlight the other day on on Instagram, and a lot of his a lot of his plays were just you know they were getting short passes, screens, um, just nothing nothing deep downfield. And then I was watching some more of that Georgia Alabama game this morning, and that was just a passing fest. And you and college football is is a passing game now, and and all the best teams have explosive offenses, so. Uh, kind of went on a, a little bit of a tangent there, but I think it just, it makes more sense why they need to get someone who's an offensive minded guy. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I personally, you know, you, you've had Bilotti and Chip and Helfrich and Taggart and Chris Ball have all been offensive guys. So it makes sense to go with another offensive guy, but Personally, I don't think that is as much of a necessity right now. Um, you know, I feel like it's almost harder to find an elite defensive mind and coach in college football than offensive at this point. And if you, you know, go a different direction, maybe that'll give you a little bit of an advantage in some capacity. So, you know, I really don't feel like it's that big of a deal if you go offense or defensive I, I just think you find the best coach period and, and you go from there you know 
you, you look at what Dave Aranda has been able to do with his defense uh, uh, with um, Baylor. I, I truly believe that that would be the best hire for uh, the Ducks. And now we haven't heard much of Dave Aranda uh, in his name in this coaching search. So it might not uh, come to fruition this time, but just someone like that, you know, even though, even though he's defensive, I, I still think it's, it would be the best option for the Ducks. And I wrote as such in our little round table that we had today. Yeah, that was a really fun story to put together. Um, if you haven't read already, you can head over to Ducks Digest and read that the round table about head coaching candidates that we think that the Ducks should pursue. Uh, as Nick said, he talked about uh, Dave Aranda. You think about uh, sharp defensive minds out there in the college football landscape. Uh, another name that I'm seeing people talk about that's even more unrealistic, I would probably say, is Dan Lanning, the Georgia defensive coordinator. Um, I feel like after seeing the product that the Bulldogs are putting out on the field this year, uh, it's going to be super hard to pry him away from the SEC, especially from a program that has some obviously huge backing with boosters and, and all the financial resources that Oregon has, and then some probably, I would wager to say. But in that story, just because you bring it up, Nick, I, I said Lane Kiffin was the guy that I think they should go after. And and I understand that it's it's maybe a little bit more unrealistic, just given the the, the past that he's kind of had, and, and he hasn't stayed at a lot of jobs very long. But I think that just the excitement that that it would create and, and how well he's he's had his offenses going, um, I think that that he's a guy that would would do well at Oregon just from from the talent that's there, um, making things more more entertaining to watch on the, on the offensive side of the ball, especially in the passing attack. I, I wrote in my little blurb there on the in the story, you know, how how can you look at Matt Corral and what what Kiffin's done with him? and not be pretty excited about the the possibilities of him working with a guy like a Ty Thompson or any of the other guys um, on that Oregon roster. So I think that's pretty cool. We'll have to see, uh, you know, what, uh, how this really develops. I think a lot of people are saying Friday, like you mentioned, so that would be tomorrow, but that'd be, I'm yeah, it'd be five days for and some change. If you think about Mario officially leaving on Monday for a really, really important hire to, to come into place because Oregon was was right there on the doorstep. And I feel like at this point, you know, I think we're, we're past the point of Rose Bowls being enough. You know, we've seen that you can recruit top five talent, top 10 talent nationally as far as the classes go. Um, but it was just, it was not utilized to the fullest extent. And I think that that's why it makes sense for them to, to take a little bit longer with this hire if, if it doesn't end up being tomorrow because it's it's so important for them when you're looking at all these other hires across the sport and especially closer to home in the Pac-12 with Lincoln Riley. Now with running the Pac is, is looking much more uncertain. No question about it. All right, let's see. We're getting some, some questions here. Uh, Mike Peters says, what's the deal with Gary Patterson? I think he would be a great hire. Checks most of the boxes for me. So, yeah, Gary Patterson... I mean, latest stop was when he was at TCU, as, as far as I know. Um, I'm going to see if I can pull up something over here just to kind of do a little bit of research. Um, do you have any initial thoughts on that kind of reaction, Nick? Yeah, I think Gary Patterson would be a great defensive coordinator hire if they could get him uh, in that capacity. I just feel like, you know, his time at TCU had kind of just come to an end there. And he's all, also on the older side. I don't believe he has many West Coast ties. It doesn't, it just doesn't feel like it's the right timing for Oregon to go that direction. 
you know, he's definitely proven he can uh, coach at a, at a pretty high level at uh, Power Five level at TCU. There, he uh, transferred TCU from a Group of Five school to a Power Five school. So there's definitely some things to like about him. But I feel like Oregon would hopefully be uh, trying to go a little bit higher than than Gary Patterson in this one. Yeah, I think age is is definitely a factor that you kind of would like to consider, you know, from a relatability standpoint with recruits. I know that's a, a big box that a lot of people are talking about. and I, But I also think it does speak to to why he would maybe be an appealing candidate, like Mike is saying here, um, because uh, he's a, a pretty strong defensive mind in a conference like the Big 12, which we know is, is pretty much predominantly known for uh, dominant offenses. You talk about schools like Oklahoma, obviously. Um, Texas is obviously kind of hit and miss. Texas Tech, though. You know, with the with the air raid, uh, and then Oklahoma State has been pretty strong as well. So, uh, I, I yeah, I, I agree that I think that he he's uh, I can see the interest, but I don't think he's he's you know up there for them. You were talking about the West Coast ties, Nick. I thought this was kind of funny. I'm looking on his Wikipedia page. In 1992, he coached the Oregon Lightning Bolts of the Professional Spring Football League, which was an outdoor football league slated to begin in 1992. So oh, there you go. That's West Coast ties right there. And then, and then you also have uh, he was the DC at New Mexico in '96, uh, and then he um, was the DB coach at uh, Utah State in the early '90s as well. But, but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I don't think he's the most realistic guy right now for uh, for the Ducks. Let's see. Um, also, okay, Stefan says. Any thoughts on this Brentley Weissman tweet that's been making the rounds? Uh, I actually have it up here on my uh, on my my laptop. So let me just take a second to um, get this up, just so people can kind of see what I'm talking about. Um, so yeah, if you're on if you're on the stream on YouTube, you can see you can read it there for yourself. But um, I'll read it. He said, "If the name I am hearing for the Oregon job is true, us Ducks will be over the moon." Talking, we will send Mario thank you cards for leaving us. Trying not to get my hopes up, but it's a credible source. So before we, you know, say anything here, um, you know, I've I've never heard of this guy before. Um, his bio says, "I former NFL scout with the Chargers, uh, worked with the Patriots, Raiders, UO, and U and UCLA." So I mean, I don't want to go putting. I'm not saying this is credible or not. I mean, this this whole coaching search there's just it's just been so behind closed doors right you know they've just there's been hardly any information uh to come by uh with all of this lately so i don't really i don't really know i wouldn't i wouldn't read too much into it i mean if anything it, it kind of just seems like something that's gonna get people excited but um i don't know it's it's I guess you can think of the possibilities right you can think of uh i don't know a huge name like like dabo sweeney I mean, he's probably just way, way out of reach, I would think, on the surface, at least when you first think about that. But if you look a little bit further into it, Clemson had a down year. The ACC as a whole had a down year. You had Wake Forest and Pitt playing in the championship game. You have Miami taking the athletic director away from from uh, Clemson. I, I really would think it's a long shot, but those are kind of just my reactions to this tweet. I don't I don't want to I don't want to give it more credence than than uh, it deserves just because we don't know very much about it. Um, and it's pretty vague. Yeah, I personally haven't heard anything uh, that would make me that ecstatic, especially when we're in the, this part of the process of the coaching search. 
Um, if something crazy were to happen like that, then more power to them. But I would say for now, uh, I would just just keep temper your expectations. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's our thoughts, Stefan. Don't um, you know? Sure, it's it's fun to you know feed into the excitement and the hype and everything, but um, don't don't read too much into that one. Timonachi's question. Oops, that's not the right one. Sorry. Uh, is about uh, Ty playing in the in the bowl game. And he said, so playing in the bowl game doesn't go against the four game redshirt rule. Um, no, I, I believe that it does go. It would count for the the four games that, that freshmen are allotted. That was obviously a really hot topic in the Utah game when the Ducks were just getting their doors blown off of them. Um, why didn't they bring in another quarterback? A lot of people think it should have been Ty. Um, he has three games played so far this season. So I think that if he if he does, you know, if logic follows, I think if he does play in this uh, Alamo Bowl, then that'll be his fourth game, and they'll still be able to preserve that red shirt um, with his only other, you know, real uh, good chunk of action coming in that second half against Stony Brook when uh, AB got hurt. Yep, you nailed it. That's uh, that's the deal with the four game red shirt rule. So uh, they can play Ty in this game, and and he can still use his red shirt. And then Tim says. The fact we're starting with Georgia and Atlanta should push QB choice over the edge. Don't want your first time starter to go into Atlanta for his first full game. Focus on the future. Yeah. And I mean, I, I totally agree with that. That was my feelings even before, before we got to this point in the season, you know, even um, once they lost that, that uh, first game against Utah, um, I was in that first game against Utah. I was kind of thinking, you know, my, my thoughts on this whole thing throughout the season when we kind of saw that AB wasn't, um, you know, what wasn't living up to the hype, if you want to say that, um, I feel like he, he is what he was at, at Boston College. You know, that's kind of just, he is, he's, I didn't think that uh, it made a lot of sense for people to expect him to get, you know, to take a huge step, um, if, you, if you want to call it that. Um, as long as the Pac-12 championship and, and the playoffs were, were within range, I didn't think they were going to make a playoff, uh, a quarterback change rather. But at the same time, when things got as ugly as they did in that first Utah game, I'm thinking I have nothing to lose here. Why not put him in to, to try to get that Pac-12 to st- stay alive in the Pac-12 uh, championship race? What do you think there? Yeah, I would have I would have put Ty in in that Pac-12 title game, but you know that's now in the past. Now different coach, you know, different everything. So you can only really look forward. And uh, I think you know starting Ty in the Alamo Bowl or at least playing him a substantial amount uh, would be very beneficial for both Ty, the new coaching staff, and moving forward into next season's game against Georgia and beyond. You know, you, you really need to see what you have at the quarterback position moving forward, uh, being able to know if you need to maybe go after a, a transfer and their transfer portal this offseason, or if you feel like you can rely on Ty going into next season. I, I feel like it'd be really helpful for, for Ty, first of all, to get that experience against a really good team in Oklahoma. I mean, they're, they're up near the playoff conversation every single season, so to play against them be some great experience for him it's probably going to be a pretty good environment there in san antonio with a lot of oklahoma fans there and i really don't see much of a downside to playing tie you know it's it's really a, a low stakes game obviously you want to win the bowl game but at the end of the day like there's no real uh 
downside if you did lose. Uh, I think it's much more important to get tied that experience. Yeah, exactly. So we're we're on the same page there. Or whoever else ends up, you know, getting getting the job. I think both Robbie Ashford and Jay Butterfield deserve a shot. Jay Butterfield might be the best pure passer on this team. I know he's not as athletic as Thompson and, and Ashford, but he's he's really fun to watch throw. And then um, Robbie Ashford had some awesome plays in that spring game, but we haven't really haven't really seen anything uh, other than other than that because obviously it's just been uh, Brown this season. Hayden says, I do not understand all the hate against Wilcox. I don't think, I don't even know, I wouldn't say it's hate, but I think when you see a coach like Mario have the kind of success that he did um, and how it was driven by recruiting, I think that you look at at Wilcox and what he's done at Cal, which obviously isn't the best situation. You know, they, they, had, uh, they had that game against USC postponed and um, they just, don't have a there's not a lot of talent on that roster so I can understand what you're saying Hayden about you know kind of hear hear Wilcox out a little bit I just think when you look at how I think Oregon's elevated itself significantly since since Mario was here obviously um in the national conversation and I think that uh, the tone with a lot of fans is, is is that they think that Oregon can probably just do a little bit better about, about as far as having someone who who's more proven uh, whether it be as a head coach or, or even a coordinator that's looking to take that next step. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't have any hate against Wilcox personally. I, I think, you know, he's probably a good guy and he's of course, uh, uh, you know, Oregon is alma mater. He's probably loved Oregon, you know, his whole life. And I'm sure he would love to be the head coach at Oregon, but, you know, I'm just trying to look forward here and, and look at, you know, what can get Oregon to a national championship level and Justin Wilcox simply hasn't quite shown that yet. You know, I, I you know, his, his time at Cal has been really difficult from uh, multiple perspectives. So I don't think you can really uh, fault him for some of the issues that he's been dealing with there. But he, he still just hasn't quite gotten to that level where I'd be comfortable Oregon handing him the keys to this program and expecting him to improve on what the already very high level they're at right now. Definitely. And then we got uh, our next question for the pod. Um, question is from AD. Thanks for the question. Can we expect more decommitments? Yeah, I mean, I think moving forward, it, uh, I don't. It's already been really bad, right? So I don't want to. I don't want to be super pessimistic here. But none of the decommitments have have surprised me at all, right? We uh, we we saw two more just since in the time that I recorded this podcast yesterday. Um, Cameron Williams, the Duncanville offensive lineman, uh, decommitted um, after he got offered by Florida and TCU in the time since uh, Cristobal's departure. And then there, there were reports out there uh, or a story I think I saw from 247 saying that Mario already visited him um, and uh, is pretty much making the push there. I think the quotation that I saw was, was uh, you know, we're going to – he told me he's going to recruit me the same way as when he was at Oregon pretty much. So – not a surprise there. And then Kelvin Banks obviously decommitted. And then this morning, Marion Winston, that was the one that kind of surprised me and, and caught me off guard, seeing that he's an in-state guy, uh, linebacker from Central Catholic that was one of the first commits. I think he might have been the first commit in the 2022 class all the way back in July 2020. Um, so that was that was pretty shocking to see. And then you also throw in the fact that, you, that he's a brother of a former Duck linebacker, Lamar Winston. So I think that that would be even more um, – more of a reason that you would think he would stay, but 
guys don't have time to wait around, man. I mean, they're they're trying to to make that move and and see what's right for them. Uh, with so many people signing in in the uh, early signing period and, and enrolling early, so I think that um, you see stuff like that and you understand why there's a lot of pressure to to make this hire. But I feel like regardless of who you hire, it's going to be really hard to, to salvage who they have in this 2022 class since Mario was the leader of so many recruiting efforts. So uh, I think we're up to five now since since Cristobal decommitted. And I, w- I don't want to say that they should expect more because it's already been so bad. But at the same time, it wouldn't shock me because I don't know how to. This is the first coaching change that I've covered um, since I got into recruiting. So I don't really know what like a, a typical fallout is, but you know, it stands to reason that, that you're going to see this when, uh, you know, you have a big move like that. Yeah. Uh, Hey Max. So you, uh, I'm sure can share your screen and look up a tweet real quick, but sure. a tweet from Chris Lowe, a senior writer at ESPN. And it was retweeted by Adam Rittenberg, who has uh, uh, been breaking a lot of news recently with coaching moves. He says, um, Oregon is making a hard push to bring back Chip Kelly as the Ducks head coach. Sources tell ESPN. He has a lot of support there after taking Oregon to the national championship game in 2010, and his bio at UCLA is $9 million. So, what do we think problem. about that? Chip Kelly, do you want to do you want to start with that? Or did you have any, I guess, did you have any response to that last recruiting one, or do we want to just move on to this yeah, one? We, we, we can move on to this real quick. Okay, yeah. Uh, give me Give me some of your thoughts here off the top. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I've been an Oregon fan uh, pretty much my whole life. Uh, I'm 21, so that, you know, checks out to kind of 2007 when I started going to Oregon games. And so I was I was a fan when, you know, Chip was at its peak and, and you know, taking everyone by storm and going to natties and, and everything. And, you know, my heart would love for Chip to come back. But personally, you know, my brain says it's probably not the best idea. Uh, I, I just feel like, you know, what he's done recently at UCLA is not quite at the level Oregon would, would want today. And Oregon's also kind of in a different place as to, you know, what, what they've been doing with Cristobal. You know, Cristobal was much more of a, of a physicality type of coach and to switch it up and, and, you know, go to Chip Kelly, which, you know, he was very physical in his own right when he was at Oregon, no question about it. But, you know, going from a power run game to a spread it out and, and, you know, uh, do it Chip Kelly way. I feel like that might, you know, take, take this program a step back a little bit and not to mention the recruiting element of things. Chip wasn't a great recruit at Oregon and it's only gotten worse when he was at, when he's been at UCLA now. So I definitely don't think it's the best option for Oregon, but at the same time, I would personally go with Chip over Sataki. I would go with Chip over Wilcox. So it's also not the worst option out there. And, you know, I am a nostalgic person and, you know, it, I, there would be nothing better than for Chip to succeed at Oregon again. And if he were to come back and, and bring us more Rose Bowls and Natties, then, you know, that'd be incredible. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll see if, uh, if he ends up coming back and if they can get him back to that, that national championship, uh, those appearances, I think my kind of two cents here, and I think a really good way to spin it was uh, kind of how Josh Pate was putting it. If you guys listen to him on Late Kick, he has a lot of really cool perspectives, and, and I really like his, his uh, work over there. It was talking about how Chip's a good coach. He's a good offensive mind, so that kind of that checks those boxes. But 
the rest of the college football world's caught up. I mean, does does he still have the the same edge that he did when when he was last at Oregon? And I also feel like it kind of goes back to to one of the comments that I think I saw in the chat was just Oregon wants an elite coach and they feel like they can kind of do better here. Um, and then obviously the recruiting part of it's so big. Um, I also feel like the recruiting part is is more valuable and I think should be prioritized because you can bring in assistants that that are more, you know, they're better as far as the X's and O's goes go if they do choose to do a guy that, that has a heavy focus on on recruiting. Um, I think that was one of the but at the same time, we, we don't want to get into a lot of Oregon fans don't want to get in that same deal where you have a guy like Cristobal who can recruit, but maybe doesn't have that full trust of his coordinator. So it's kind of a, a balancing act when it comes to that. And, and maybe what, what a uh, chip would look like. I feel like chip would probably want the job. I don't think I've heard that he doesn't have the best, uh, best relationships with the athletic department uh, down there. I think I've kind of just seen whispers of that uh, over social media. So like, I mean, yeah, our, our Dylan Rubin King said that he thought it was the most realistic option, not as far as what he wants, but what he thinks is going to happen. So I think it's um, it's kind of good to, to be hearing from multiple multiple perspectives here, uh, kind of about what, what we think things could look like. Yeah, and, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people saying shit, going back to Chip would be like going back to Helfrich. I feel like that's a very similar deal with Wilcox. You know, Chip and Wilcox are kind of in the same boat for me. Uh, I, I, I saw someone say Wilcox is like a defensive Helfrich, which I kind of laughed at. I, I kind of felt like that might be true. So, you know, I, I feel like, you know, if Chip and Wilcox didn't have the connections to Oregon, they wouldn't be involved in this, in this discussion of being hired. So, you know, why are they necessarily being involved in the first place? If, you know, another school that doesn't have, um, or if another school is trying to hire someone, they probably wouldn't think about Wilcox or Chip as their hire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Gotcha. 
another uh, another question here from Mike Peters. He's his question is: If you had to pick one to be the next head coach, are you taking Mike Leach, uh, who's over at Mississippi State, as a lot of people know, Kellen Moore, who I believe is the offensive coordinator for the Cowboys? I know he's he's with the Cowboys organization. Uh, yeah, or are you taking Joe Brady? Freshly back on the market uh, after getting fired by the Panthers. This this is an interesting one. I think that I I don't think Leach makes sense. I, th- I think he's kind of a you know he's a, a funny coach and um as far as from a media perspective you know he says he's just super unfiltered um and just you know it's it's whatever what you see is what you get with uh, with Mike Leach and I think just with the whole air raid offense it, it doesn't fit Oregon's identity at all. And who's to say that Oregon, Oregon's next coach might not try to change the identity? I think that that's probably one of the biggest questions that that the uh, administration is kind of looking at and, and asking these guys when they bring them in is, you know, what's your vision for the program? And I don't think the whole air raid that is tied into Mike Leach makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Kellen Moore would be would be really interesting. I, I almost feel like I would go with Kellen Moore because Joe Brady hasn't, you know, hasn't been uh he's really young really really young guy and he he's never been a head coach before um and i feel like kellen moore has has more of a a proven track record and then you also look at at his his career at boise state which was really really fun to watch so out of these three i think i'm going with more who you going with nick i think kellen moore would be interesting but i don't think he would take the job i think he's very happy. yeah who even knows he wants to leave yeah, I don't think I, I think he's very happy in Dallas, and I think he might be on track even for an NFL head coaching job at some point. So I'm going to go with Joe Brady. I think, you know, he, he did have a failed stint in the NFL, but you know, Carolina didn't have many playmakers. Christian McCaffrey was was out for a good portion of his time there, so he didn't really get that full offense up and up and running there. And He's never even been an offensive coordinator in college, let alone a head coach. So I think it would be a massive jump jump to take. And he, I mean, frankly, Joe Brady wouldn't be my first choice. But out of these three, I think I would go with Joe Brady just because of him being a very young but smart offensive mind and what he could do with with the offense that way. And, you know, we don't even know much about his recruiting prowess because he was only an analyst at LSU for a year or two. And we don't know how much he was even involved in recruiting there. So it's tough to even talk about recruiting with him. But if we're simply going off of, uh, of play calling and all that, I would go with Joe Brady. Yeah, because it's, it's hard to tell. We can transition to the next comment here coming from Andrew. Andrew says, if Uncle Phil threw $85 million at Brady, I'd be 100% on board. And I think after the Carolina disaster, I think he's done with the NFL. Um, that, that's another piece at play here is, you know, what's that contract going to look like for, for the next head coach? Because it was reported that, that the offer that they were prepared to make crystal ball was 10 years, uh, $85 million, I believe is what Canzano's report said over at the Oregonian. Um, but as far as Brady and, and, you know, him wanting out of the NFL, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's hard to, it's hard to say something like that without knowing him. Um, you know, you, you say that the Carolina disaster, which I totally agree. It was super ugly, but I mean, Look at that team, man. I mean, look at the options that they had uh, to deal with um, or to work with, rather. Um, you know, they had Darnold and he got hurt. Um, and then they brought back Cam. Uh, I'm trying to think if they had some AFL quarterback, I think, that was that was in there. Um, I'm, I'm totally blanking on on the name. Oh, is it Philip Walker? I don't know. That's a, 
I'm not sure. Oh, PJ Walker. There you go. Yeah. PJ Walker. That's what his name came up on when I, when I Googled it, but you had that. And then you also had uh, Christian McCaffrey being hit and miss all year and, and not being super healthy. I think he got ruled out for the season the last I heard. So who's to say maybe he wants to give it another shot or like you're saying, Andrew, maybe he's, maybe he had that experience and it's like, okay, it's not the best, you know, for me in the NFL. And, and I want to give college one more go. And, and uh, just from offensive appeal, I feel like Oregon's definitely got to be up there with the best of the, you know, with the, the best of them as far as uh, the rest of the programs in the country. Yeah. Yeah. No argument there. All right. Let's see what we got here. Um, Colin Jones says everyone acting like chip is a good choice, but two years in a row now chip almost beat our ducks and had them on the ropes with way less talent. Oh, maybe he said that chip is not a good choice because he's saying he's advocating for chip here. Two, two years in a row chip almost beat our ducks and had them on the ropes with way less talent team them up with our young guys equals success. You want to take that one? Yeah. You know, that's definitely a fair point and that's definitely a glass half full type of approach. And, you know, chip could work. I mean, there's no one saying that, you know, chip is going to, going to take this program down to the dumps. You know, he was extremely good here the last time. And with, with his, you know, relationship with Phil Knight with the Nike connection that Oregon has and all the facilities that Oregon has, maybe he can revitalize, you know, and, and strike lightning twice of what he found the last time it was here. But, you know, it, that's now been nine years and a lot changes in nine years. And, you know, I think the more likely scenario would be he doesn't get it back to where he was uh, back when, you know, he was here a decade ago, but, he could, you know, Chip's Chip's a smart guy, and Chip could definitely bring it back. I think when I'm looking at, at Chip, at, at what Oregon would look like with him, uh, if they were to bring him back now versus in the past when you know he really got Oregon humming, I do like to think about the the type of lineman that he's brought in. I think he was, uh, or that he worked with rather when when the Ducks when he was coaching the Ducks is they're totally different body types now, right? You got to look at who you have on the roster now and who makes more sense there. Mario brought in some absolute monsters. Like these guys are 300 plus pretty much across the board. And, and does that work with, with uh, you know, uh, a Chip Kelly offense? Are they going to have the the mobility that that he looks for and, and covets in his guys? Yeah. And I will say this about Chip, you know, his offense at UCLA was much different than what it was at Oregon. He, he did kind of, you know, shape his offense to what he had at UCLA, uh, used a lot more tight ends, had the offensive linemen way more, you know, scrunched together you know at Oregon he had the offensive lineman kind of stretched out a little bit more so he, he definitely changed the offensive system up at UCLA and I'm sure he would do the same thing at Oregon based off of the talent he has here and, and what he thinks would work best so you know it, it's not going to be the exact same offense a decade ago he's evolved a little bit and he'll evolve with his roster so and, and his offenses are still really good you know no one's denying that he, he was extremely good this past year with DTR at, at the helm offensively with UCLA. It, and it's more of his defenses, you know. A, a lot of his assistants and coordinators are old friends of his from Oregon and beyond who have, you know, kind of run their course maybe a little bit. Could, could you know, Oregon convince him to find new guys and, and try to shape the defense differently? If he could do that, I, I might be more on board with a higher chip. Yeah, and then someone had a, a comment here um, that I'm going to bring up. Uh, Jake 
O2Q, he said, if we bring in Chip, we could just bring in someone else into recruit, right? I think that's maybe another dynamic uh, of this whole situation. You know, if you bring in a guy like that, that maybe doesn't have a reputation as a recruiter, how much value is Chip going to have in, in how he builds out his staff, right? I think that that's a, another big piece of the puzzle. And then when I think about the product that they put on the field this year at UCLA, I mean, Zach Charbonnet and Britton Brown were, were special for sure. I think they kind of lost some steam towards the end of the season uh, to, to Oregon State. Uh, BJ Baylor was phenomenal. Um, and then uh, and then Deshaun Fenwick was another name, obviously, at play. Uh, Trey Lowe as well. So I think that that you know Chip's offense here. You know, if you're watching on the the stream, we have the the rankings uh, as far as the stats go. Uh, UCLA was second in the conference with a uh, total yards per game, four hundred forty one point three. And then let's look at the the points per game. First in the first in the conference uh, with thirty six point seven points per game, and that that kind of goes to uh, another point about you know doing more with less down there in UCLA. I think that it's, it's not a stretch to say that the talent on Oregon's roster is, is definitely um, superior to that of UCLA. So I guess the biggest thing is I just wonder how, how the talent on the roster is going to mesh with chip. I'm not saying that I'm, I don't think it's going to go well. I think obviously the skill talent is going to be tremendous. And another thing that you have to think of as we're kind of looking into the next year, CJ Verdell and Travis Dye both have more eligibility. Like, have you thought about that at all, Nick? Oh yeah, yeah. I've thought about that's it. That's wild to me. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, uh, who knows what they decide? You know, I feel like CJ would probably go to the draft unless his his injury that he suffered against Stanford keeps him out through the combine. If he was out through the combine, wasn't able to show the NFL scouts, you know, what he was about, I could see him coming back then. Uh, as for as for Travis, I, I feel like it's really more of a, a 50-50 decision for him of kind of what he feels is best best for his career going forward i could see it going either way really he and and uh, as for as for as for travis he didn't not that it necessarily means anything but he didn't uh walk at the senior night uh so could mean something could mean nothing but something something to keep an eye on definitely there's a a, another a previous comment that i thought was kind of interesting and this is just cool about um about a uh, cool thing about, you know, YouTube and, and all these social platforms. Um, let's see. Um, so yeah, this is from Curveball saying, Miami fan here, wish Oregon the best though. I know getting your coaching staff taken really sucks. And then I asked him, I'm like, how are people feeling about the crystal ball hire down there? Um, and he'd say, he said, I'd say about 70% happy. A lot of people wanted lane two. And then he kind of clarified and he said, as in lane over Mario, not both together which I think is kind of a cool overlap, right? Because you're looking at how all these people are, or a lot of people, I shouldn't say all of them, a lot of people are, are looking at uh, Lane Kiffin as kind of the trendy trendy choice here among the Oregon fan base. And I know that doesn't speak for all the Oregon fans, but in yesterday's podcast that you can find on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify, I was thinking about how I wanted to title it and I just put it out there. I said, is Lane Kiffin the trending choice among the Oregon fan base? And if you check Twitter on the Twitter spaces, you know, you'll see a, I think the funniest ones I've seen are Lane Train to Lane County or something along that. And there's like hundreds of people in there. So I feel like it's it's picking up a lot of steam. But I just kind of thought that was an interesting dynamic uh, that that this guy is saying uh, from, a, from a Miami fan that they also wanted um, also wanted Lane. So that's just uh, kind of a cool little overlap. 
Yeah, you know, I, I really like I really like to to poke in and and see what the Oregon fan base is, is talking about on Twitter. It's been a lot of fun the past uh, few days here to to try to get the temperature of the fans and uh, and really understand you know where everyone's heads at. Everyone has their their own opinion on this hire, and it's pretty cool to see all these different names popping up that you know I haven't even thought about. Some some are some legit interesting names you could talk about. Some are pretty outlandish but you know it's still entertaining and this all of this has been really entertaining this week here's a, a new one from um prompt critical criticality go get coastal carolina coach uh jamie chadwell diamond in the rough hire that guy wins and could be the next urban meyer level head coach um coastal carolina is a team that i think a lot of people slept on you know obviously we we do the the new AP rankings, the new uh, college football playoff ranking stories over on Ducks Digest that were coming out throughout the season, just to just to kind of track the the movement across college football and seeing who's rising and who's falling. And Coastal Carolina was a, a school that I saw in there, um, you know, pretty frequently. And you know, they they weren't. I don't think that they were pushing up terribly high. I want to say that at one point they were on the verge of of top fifteen, um, if I remember correctly, but. Um, they're they're a fun uh, a fun team to watch, weren't they? The didn't they played BYU last year, right? And then weren't they their quarterback yeah. was saying anytime, anywhere? And then didn't BYU win? Am I remembering no, that no, right? No, no, BYU. I'm pretty sure BYU was the one saying that, and then they went to Coastal, oh okay, Coastal beat them. Coastal beat BYU last year. Okay, yeah, twenty-two to seventeen was the final there at the time of that game. BYU was eleventh, and Coastal Carolina was fourteenth. Because yeah, that was like one of the craziest games of the year, right? Because it was, I think it was yeah. scheduled with it and set up within like a week mm-hmm. of like uh, because I think there were there were hurricanes or tornadoes or something. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm maybe I'm not remembering that right, but that was just super wild. And then just looking into Jamie Chadwell's uh, background here, he has a, a twenty-nine and nineteen record um at coastal carolina where he's he's been since 2017 um some of his other stops uh include east tennessee state charleston southern north greenville delta state yeah i don't i don't know do you i think that i I could see the intrigue but i don't know if you want to get do you want to give a guy his first shot at a head coaching job at at a place like oregon with this hire yeah that's exactly where i was going to go with this Jamie Chadwell, the, the biggest downside with him is the fact that he's never coached at the power five level before at all, like period. He hasn't been an assistant, hasn't been a coordinator, hasn't been a head coach at the power five level. And that's a really steep jump to go from coastal Carolina to university of Oregon. And not saying Jamie Chadwell isn't good. I think he's done a great job there at coastal Carolina, but if I'm looking to hire someone, I'm trying to hire someone who has a little more track record at the power five level. So I kind of understand and know that, you know, it's more likely to work out than, than fall flat on your face. Um, that, you know, something could happen with, with a group of five coach like that. I'm right there with you. But at the same time, people are also calling for Luke Fickle. But maybe the, I think that's a very different dynamic because well, he's well, Luke, obviously Luke, at the Luke very Fickle. top of that. And he has Ohio right. State experience. Yeah, Ohio State experience, exactly. Yeah, so that's what I, we have on that. Um, yeah, John said, yeah, BYU said anyone, anywhere, and they lost to the former watermelon watermelon patch. Um, and then, oh, okay, Eric had a question here. Odds we get an answer this weekend. I can't take this stress. 
yeah, yeah. I mean, people are people always on their phones. Go, go for it. What do you have to say? Well, I'd say the odds are really good that that by this weekend we'll get an answer. You know, we, you know, it's been four days, and I, I thought I thought Friday tomorrow was the most likely day we'd get an answer. I think maybe more likely now we get one on Saturday or Sunday, but I don't think this is going to go past Sunday. I think you know they've probably got their list ready and they're interviewing people as we speak, probably. And after those interviews, they'll probably start to make a decision and try to lay out a contract and, and try to get a deal done. So, you know, I would say sometime between tomorrow and Sunday, you get your answer. Yeah, I agree. I think a, a lot of fans were, were uh, or maybe it was yesterday on either in here or on Twitter, they were saying that they think that there's going to be something by, by Friday. So that's kind of what I'm trying to prepare for. But I, it, that's what's going to be so wild about it is I feel like, you know, it'll some excuse me some national reporters will probably break it before you know we kind of hear the official word but got to be ready for anything uh in this in this coaching search so i think yeah i'm with you i don't think it really goes past sunday um because i friday that'd be great but it still seems just super fast and super early so i think you i'm more of the you know take your time for it because we've also i think we've been pretty clear just about where we stand on not needing to rush it um with with regards to the recruiting fallout aboriginal phoenix asks lane or urban which one would you rather have if it was those two um i mean urban has a better track record as a head coach right you look at at his stops at ohio state and florida um i mean these are i don't really think that these i mean if people are saying lane's a stretch i feel like urban's even more of a stretch so if I had to choose between those two, I would probably say Urban though, just because he's he's already achieved that success at a at a really high level, and he built out a really good staff at Ohio State, and I think that's a big part of the reason that they're doing so well now is because the it's because he groomed Ryan Day and brought in good coordinators that were capable of of uh, taking over. Um, you know, when, once he made that decision to to head to the NFL or to retire, I should say, and before heading to the NFL, so I think that's another big part of this is I think people need to consider whoever. Oregon hires as the head coach, keep a close eye on who, who he chooses to bring in to fill those two vacant coordinator spots. Cause if the head coach leaves, then hopefully they'll have somebody on staff and they're kind of looking at a, at a Marcus Freeman, Notre Dame situation. Yeah. I don't think there's any chance Rob Mullins and Michael Schill would hire urban Meyer. I just think the baggage there yeah. is, is way too big. And the fact that they'd have to answer to that and everything there would there's absolutely no chance that they would they would go and hire him so in this question i go with lane yeah i I was i guess i was going more for i was taking the realism out of it and kind of just choosing between these two as as just sole coaches and and not none of the off-field baggage but no i'm right there with you i i don't think that uh i don't think that it's super super likely Vincent asks what about hugh freeze at liberty you talk about a guy playing with with quarterbacks and and, um, you know, the success that he's had, Malik Willis is a dude. I mean, I saw him at the Elite 11 uh, over the summer when he came in and he was letting it rip. That was really fun. I think that was one of the coolest aspects of the Elite 11 is you got to see all those top high-profile high school guys, you know, going through the throwing gauntlet and, and making all these different types of angles and off-platform and all that. Um, and then even some seven-on-seven seven stuff, if I remember correctly. And, and Malik Willis was really good because he's the biggest guy I think of when I think of Liberty. Um, but... Now, I mean, we, we keep bringing up guys that, that have done well on the football field, but then they have 
uh, off-field issues. So I, I don't think that uh, I don't th- kind of have the same deal here. I don't think that uh, Hugh Freeze is much of an option. Yeah, Hugh left Ole Miss with with a lot of sanctions down there. Uh, I don't think Oregon would would want any part of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's see. Let me see. Yeah, one hot. Com- uh, John Anderson says one hot commodity is Utah's Morgan Scaly. Uh, he came up in yesterday's pod, um, and I think that he's definitely a, a name to watch. But he's been at Utah forever, and and if if uh, if Whittingham does end up retiring, like I think some people are expecting or speculating, I think that he's probably that guy, like we talked about with um, you know with Ryan Day at Ohio State when when Urban retired. I think that Scaly would probably be the the next guy in line to take over that Utes program. Yeah, uh, I agree with you there. All right, let's see. Um, what other questions do we have? Brandon's question is: What do you guys think about NFL coaches? Anyone come to mind? Thanks, love the channel. Yeah, I think that. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for the the kind words, Brandon. I know you've been a uh, He's one of those names that I've uh, recognized, you know, popping up in these uh, these uh, live streams a little bit more consistently. So it's always fun to see uh, familiar names and, and people coming back uh, to, to talk about the Ducks. Um, yeah, it's, it's I think that one name that has kind of been thrown out there is Eric Bieniemy. I feel like he's he's kind of a, a reach when you look at um, you know those high level NFL coaches uh, and. But, but the Chiefs this year, I feel like they have obviously taken a step back and haven't enjoyed as much success. So I, I think it's harder to go and get that NFL coach because you you always have that, you know, you have to get them out of the NFL versus, you know, staying in the college level. I think it's a lot easier to get a guy going from college to the NFL than bringing him back from the NFL, if that makes sense. Um, because I think he was he was linked to the, the Colorado job at one point um, before Darrell took over. Um, so I think he would be a cool name, especially if you're looking for a big, a big, uh, big name to bring in uh, on offense. Yeah, I got an NFL name. Um, Tom Herman, who's currently an analyst, uh, with the Chicago bears. I like that one too. Yeah. Oregon was interested in him kind of, kind of, you know, uh, brought his name up a little bit when Taggart left uh, a couple of years ago and obviously didn't come to fruition, but they've had interest in interest in him in the past and Herman wasn't nearly as bad at Texas as I think some people think uh he he was a pretty good recruiter down there and you know things kind of just piled one after another on him at Texas and they end up going with Sark but I still think he's got a lot of potential and that would definitely be an interesting NFL name uh that that I think the Ducks could maybe try to pull out of of the NFL I remember when he was at Texas uh, out there in Austin, he was, he was definitely blowing up on the recruiting trail and, and uh, bringing some pretty big names there. Um, and I think that's probably why a lot of people are unimpressed with, with Texas is because you had the whole all gas, no breaks and we're back after every win. And then didn't they lose, they lost to Kansas, right? Is that this well, season? That, that was, that was Sark that did that. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm just talking about what Texas looked like this year, but yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Herman, Herman. I think he did okay at Texas, but obviously, you know, the steam kind of ran ran out, and I think that he's a guy that uh, you know you give a call to, and then see what uh what his thoughts are on maybe a, a job like this. Prompt criticality uh, says Oregon can't be afraid of a big name coach leaving. 
big names, attract more big names on the coaching staff, ask Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, et cetera. No better way to build for the future. I think that's an awesome point. And I think that's why, especially when you're looking at who they can attract and how, who's going to make the most of, of the talent on the roster now, that, that's another thing I think I'm kind of juggling. You know, if you want to bring in a good recruiter, obviously that's huge. But if you bring in an X's and O's coach that um, that is really good at utilizing them and getting the most out of his talent, then that kind of goes back to the the chip the chip argument, right? About maybe having him bring in um, bring in big assistants that uh, that are pretty capable recruiters. So I think this is a great point, and I'm all for it. Yeah, I I agree there. All right, um, let's see. Um, we're already at an hour, so we're probably going to wind down here pretty soon. Um, Colin Jones threw out a cool name, Byron Leftwich at head coach. He's young and he can connect with players and recruits and he's a great play caller. What do you think about that one, Nick? Yeah. You know, that's, that's another name that people can throw out there and, and there would definitely be worse candidates. I could definitely see that happening. What, what do you, what's your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm looking into him a little bit more. You know, obviously, I've, I've definitely heard of him. Um, he's been in the NFL for a long time. So it, um, it'd be, it'd be you know, as a coach, uh, I mean, of course. Um, but maybe, I don't know, does he, is, if, if you're left, which I, I like the name. I mean, I think it's, it's a, cool, a cool person to consider. And obviously, the Bucks have been really successful. Maybe does Tom Brady enter the conversation here as far as if left, which wants to leave? You know, if, if, Brady ends up retiring at some point. It feels like he's never going to retire. You know, he just keeps getting older. He's, he's just a baller every year. Um, and I feel like the, they're always, you know, they're always a uh, big threats in, in the playoffs. Any team that has him, uh, you know, greatest, greatest quarterback of, of all time is, is pretty, uh, obviously pretty, pretty good company to be in. Uh, kind of pains me to say that because I, I'm a Niner fan and I, I really like Joe Montana, but, the, the longevity that he's had is, is pretty undeniable. So I bring up Tom Brady to say if if he ends up retiring, I think that would maybe open the window for for Leftwich. Um, but at the same time, it's not like you, if you're Oregon, you can't wait on a decision like that. Yeah, and Leftwich I also think is likely to get a head coaching job in the NFL soon. So I don't know why he would go to college when he's likely to be in line for an NFL job. Yep, exactly. Um, let's see. What do we have here? Um, uh, Choppy says, if I was going to snipe an up-and-comer, I would try to poach Kyle Whittingham's staff. I don't know many of the many of the names on Whittingham's staff except for Morgan Scaly. Have you have you looked into that at all, um, Nick? Um, there, there's not for head coach. I don't think there's anyone there that is going to really interest Oregon, to be honest. Uh, their staff does an amazing job at, you know, developing talent and, and all that. They're probably the best in the Pac-12. But uh, where Oregon's at right now, I don't think there, his staff, there's anyone there that would really make sense as a head coaching candidate. I gotcha. Yeah, and I'm, I'm looking at Andy Ludwig, Ludwig as another uh, name on that staff. Um his third year of his second full-time stint at Utah. So again, you're kind of looking at the same situation with, uh, with Scaly just as these guys are really long-term guys at, uh, at Utah, it's looking like, but um, 
I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that uh, that he's looking. That, that staff is looking super uh, super realistic. But obviously, they've they've done a lot of good things there, and and they got the Ducks number. That's for sure. Um, let's see. Yeah, any any concluding thoughts here, Nick, as we uh, wind down this episode of the the Ducks Dish podcast? Well, I would just say, um, you know, just relax as a fan base, you know, we're all waiting for the news and it's going to come soon enough and probably the next 24 to 72 hours. So, you know, whatever happens, happens. And um, I'm sure we'll, we'll all be here to talk about it. Yes, we will. You know that once that news breaks, uh, we'll be covering the heck out of it. Um, it's it's still crazy to me that um, I said this yesterday, and I feel like I'm still kind of thinking about it. Just that that Mario's gone, but you got to move on, got to move on, and uh, just see what the next era of, of Oregon football is going to look like. Um, I, I still have some, I have I have faith uh, in the the Oregon athletic department that they're going to get a good job, a good hire. Um, you know, Rob Mullins has has a good track record, and he knows what the future of the program I think needs to look like, especially with him being on the um, on the college football playoff committee or having some experience there. I think that'll be, that'll be valuable for sure. Uh, as far as when he's taken into account what the ducks are going to need here in this uh, next head coach. But um, yeah, that's uh, I think that's going to do it for us on this episode of the ducks dish podcast. You guys, huge thank you to everybody that is watching on the, uh, on the live stream here. If you're watching, go ahead and make sure to subscribe to the channel while you're here. Just hit that, that red rectangle and it, and it really helps me out. It only takes a second out of your day. And then another reminder, go follow me on Twitter at mTOR sports, follow Nick at Nick bat 22. Um, and then you can also find us uh, on all the other social media platforms. We're at ducks digest on Instagram, Twitter. You can, we also have a Facebook page as well. And then if you go to my Twitter page, you can also sign up, uh, subscribe to our free newsletter, the ducks digest newsletter. Um, you know, try to send that out every day. So you guys, uh, don't miss out on any of the crazy news that we have coming out, whether it be team news, we're also covering, so that's football team news. We also have both men's and women's basketball teams. We're covering them as well with basketball season going and then national signing period next early signing period next week. We're going to be all over that. So make sure that you guys, uh, subscribe to the channel and the newsletter and make sure you check out all those other social platforms. Uh, maybe going to do a Twitter space soon. But uh, I'll make sure to uh, notify you guys of that when uh, when the time comes. And then last thing, go ahead and hit that notification bell so that you don't miss out on any future live streams. This has been another episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com